Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of A Name Tag is Necessary. I'm your host, Name Tag Alexander. The website is nametagalexander.com and also leadingbelegendary.net. Listen to this podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify. It's on Google Podcasts. We got uh, iHeartRadio, and I also want to say radio. Yeah, it's definitely radio public for sure. But of course, you can stream it directly at the website, which again is nametagalexander.com. Make sure y'all go there and get some merch. Get the vinyl for work, win, repeat for my vinyl collectors out there. We about to get right to the shits, man. We got a cat. It's my dog. It's been on here a few times already when it was label podcast. We transitioned with the name change. Well, not name change, because this is his name, but he he to put a little sauce on it. He got a project that's coming that he put together. He got his DJ Khaled on with it. I don't know if he's on the album. I know I'm on it. <laughs> we, got, we we got Bryce on there. We got uh we don't get too much away. We don't get too much away, right? St. DeAngelis, man. What's going on, man? Welcome to the the reinvention of the podcast that is a name tag is necessary. What's going on? That's what's up though. Peace, peace, man. What's going on? Man, can you believe we almost got into this whole damn podcast and I almost and I forgot to hit record? Man, that was the funniest shit, man. So man. yeah, y'all, we, we got the chatting. And I realized that that red light wasn't blinking for record, but we about to get right to the shits, man, because we 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 got an interesting conversation to come up because he 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 did it. He, he's been talking about it, and he put a very very interesting, very artistic piece of work together with with this. the 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 cover art itself is like fire, but I, and I want him to kind of get into explaining what that means, not just on the surface, because with Dean, man, it's, it's it's nothing just on the surface, man. So we go, we go get right to it. And um, man, I gotta ask you because I ask everybody that comes on this show, uh, which this this question is inspired by the uh the app called Fan Label, which you can get it in in the Google uh Play Store, you can get it on the App Store. But basically, they just do like a fantasy label roster. So my question to you, as it is to everybody else, you got millions in the budget, millions of dollars to play around with, right? You a label owner. Mm-hmm. What five artists do you have on your roster? What three producers, and why? And it could be any. It could be any genre. All right, so, all right. So I've been like on this super duper West Coast vibe, like on the R and B tip, right? Like right. after working with a whole bunch of rappers to put together this project. That's all and, I listen to is R and B, more more than rap, to be honest. Well, you know what? Honestly, because you know I used to want to be a singer or whatever, and so, uh was kind of half and half with it. Cause I wanted to mm. be like a rapper that, that sang. Like I wanted to do the trap shit before everybody yeah, was- They got a category for that in the Grammys now. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, so, but so like, so now I'll just be like, you know, it's usually either my daughter's playlist that she's nine months old. And so, you know, Anita Baker really helps her sleep. <laughs> which, <laughs> so, which, which joint? Uh, Man, Mystery. Okay. Okay. So, do you know that you know that song? I'm not familiar with that one. I was I was about to just wild guess. Oh yes, yeah. I never knew that's what the song was called. I know, right? I will always be like, "What the fuck is the name?" My mom used to sing me that to sleep. (laughs) So like that's that's the song that she fall asleep to most days, right? And so it's either that playlist with that song on it, or like some super duper hardcore. The kids not around. Yeah, that shit. But like lately, last week or so. Uh, just like after wrapping a project, I'm like, well, you know what else is out there? And I ran into this her song uh, called Damage. And shout out to Title, they just had like the ill playlist built around it. Like, yeah. the song go off. And so, like, the first three songs is like the first three people I would pick, right? So, it's right. Like, her uh, got, got has Damage. LMA has a song called uh, Not Another Love Song. And then Amari. Who said it again? What year did that drop? The LMA oh, joint. That was this year? I think it this year. Okay. Okay. And then uh and then Amarion got a whole project out and he yep. kind of like he kind of like shading fears at his at his ex most of the way. I low-key ain't tell but you like, about that project. I forgot to. But he, that got, shit, he got some jams on there though. He got some jams on there. He got a song on there with Ghostface that go fucking yep. crazy. The last joint, right? But I think so. Yep. But uh but Mutual comes on after those two songs, right? Mutual is and fire, so, dog. Right? And Wale kind of like did snap. his thing. He snapped. 
Yeah. So like her, LMA, and Omarion. Okay. Uh, just showing Cali some love, and because I think they had, they got like a lot of the same musical sensibility that Detroit does. As the city does, yeah. But uh, but I would match them with like on some like some coach type shit. Yeah. Uh, Monica Blair and Dwelle, because Man. they kind of been doing the shit that they've been on like the whole time that they've been around. So like, who say that in a bar? Somebody just, I think it was Royce. I mean, probably because he's, like he's, you can't. He said something about Dwelle in the bar that was cold, like some some singing soft as Dwelle. Somebody said I forget in uh some Black singing soft as Dwelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. The father figure joint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that um I think those would be my five artists. Like if I if I could throw in the six, it would probably be Toby if I had somebody Man. to just like rep for the spitters. He, he but the cool he thing different. about them is that like those five, like you could like pretty much bank on them yeah, for a yeah. good rap verse if you needed to. I would I would have wanted you to throw. That's a dope lineup. That's a that's a cheat code mm-hmm. um, with the lineup that you got. It's actually uh, so far since I revamped the pod. This is that's probably like the best lineup mm-hmm. that I uh, heard before you. I did it on the label podcast with Junie, and hers was fire. Like Junie mm-hmm. had. I, could, I, could, I bet. I bet it was. She had an ill one, but yours is cold. This this one's fire. Um, now you know how to do for the producers though. Who who'd you get? Three of them. Three of them. Three of them. I would do Flying Lotus, because okay. he come out that way too. I would do Manny Fresh, because I think him and Fly Low would be crazy, okay. especially with them artists. And then like if I could pick a collective, I would pick Street Justice, like on some on some Detroit, Metro Detroit shit. Well, as producers though? Cause you said Oh wait, shit. Cause they're product so like like they're production collective also, right? Mm-mm. They just they just rhyme. Who so who the producers from Inkster? It was uh from Inkster, I don't know. I don't know. They they had they had a variety of producers. I know you said before. Wait, who didn't know the uh, who, who the niggas that worked with uh with Ross? Oh, uh Olympics? Yeah. Yeah. That they okay, so wow. Ryan Low, yeah. Manny Fresh, and Olympics? Yes. Okay, that's a mix up. All right. I think I think that's a like a nice enough spread, but also like some ill shit could happen if they all came together. That's fair game. Okay. Now only one the only one I think that probably rivaled your lineup was uh I had Lyric Jones on here and she had she had a, a few dope cats. I gotta go back and listen to that episode, but she had she had a dope roster on here. And I was like, okay. It was a couple names I hadn't heard, but I went to check them out. I was like, yeah, okay. Um she seemed like she, I trust her music taste. She she got very very heavy music. Her, her project is fire. Uh, Fonte EP that joint. So yeah, mm-hmm. man. And her and her last album before the joint she did with Name was Gas Money is like dope. She she another one that sing and rap. So it's like yeah, man. So now we uh oh that was the next question. Uh, and I and I always be interested to hear this from you because I know like as you always say like when you were coming up like certain classic albums. You you going with what 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 set with you like as far as like the memories attached to it? So I mean, I mean most of us do you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure I would throw like a black album out there or something or yeah. yeah. But like, like, so like I feel like Jay Z just really don't even count when you're talking about stuff. It's not fair because like, he he was just constant. He was so consistent. Like when I was coming up in high school, but your your three go to classic albums, any genre, what what you rocking with? Right, so like not counting the black album, right? It would be uh it would be Mama's Gun. It would be my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. And it would be like last all right, so like full disclosure, right? Last time I answered this, I said yeah. Z unplugged, which is a really cool answer, right? Because right. like you know, we discussed that how the roots like helped him this this Nas was like legendary yeah. as fuck. But I think what I would replace with that probably is let's see. You know what? How I go. How I got over. That's a roots album. Oh, I forgot but, about that one. Is that the joint? That's the joint where they uh, is that the is that the one with the cover where they was like you see the people like shadows like kind of flipping yeah. or something like that. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like that's one of the first albums that 
like made me be like, oh, there could probably be a such thing as adult contemporary hip hop. I remember, I remember you telling me that, and I had to go yeah. back and listen to the album. Like, damn, this nigga right. <laughs> like, yeah, because they was talking about some super duper grown shit, but you ain't feel washed. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I feel like Petey Crack was on one of them joints on there. Petey Crack is on one of the best songs on the on the project. Okay, because I, yeah. I know. Okay, yeah, yeah, because you know they always brought the Philly people in for sure. Like from that, you know, uh, things fall apart to this. Cause he ain't want to be, you know, promoting drugs and shit. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was, was cool PD about him. It was PD PD. That's what yeah. it was. He changed it up. Yeah. Damn, I forgot about that album. All right, so now. Oh, you know what though? Dang, if I could throw one, if I could just throw like Go a, ahead. like Go a ahead. mention, nigga, Philadelphia Freeway. Mmm, come on, man. That's a that's on a good day. From that that's intro, like, that album has an incredible four to five song run, like. Soon as you throw it on, mm-hmm. literally, and then it, it don't have a drop off really. But it for me, it, it, it gets to the commercial good. records, but you don't really be mad. Yeah, they, and it's like remember, it, I think I had a song with Mariah Carey, just out I, of nowhere. I still don't like that one, man. I don't like <laughs> the Mariah Carey like when she feature on people records. I, I don't like when not the one she do when he's coming to her world. Then cool, but for some, I never like when she would feature on people records. I never, I never liked the Buster joint. Um and and this new one that they got, I ain't like that one either. But I guess it, they like the rappers like, always use type for like an extra, you know. It's just too bubbly. Trying to crossover. That was yeah. that, that was that crossover move. And you feel that like, like <laughs> I'm cool. I'm. It ain't whack, but it's like no, nah, I'm straight. So like you said with the classic albums, you was like not counting the black album. So we we think about artist collectives, and um, I feel like I remember you you saying this before off mic, um, but collectives of of artists whether it be a record label such as like no limit cash money or whatever or a collective of artists like wu-tang or whatever like who what collective of of music music artists would you say has left yeah i'm gonna say left a lasting impact on the music industry and and culture Hmm. so i think that you know like, the obvious, like, answer, like, yeah. like obviously, you know Rockefeller, mm-hmm. Rock Nation, everything that offshoot from that, like good music, and, yeah, you know, just so on and so forth, right? Right. But I think that if we talking about like a boots on the ground or like really in touch with the culture, or like creating the culture, yeah. honestly, and not necessarily, it's like there's there, there's people who like elevate the culture, yeah. like Rock Nation, they help you set the standard. Yeah. And then there's people that like create the culture. And we know for like the last 10 years, a lot of that come from out of the South, but like mm-hmm. well, the collective out of the South, right? Got Dungeon to family. And so I think that Dungeon Family has a lot of has as many tentacles as Rock Nation, like I throughout the industry. 100 percent agree. And I think that I think that uh what a lot of what Atlanta did in pioneering the relationship between New York and Atlanta. Yep. You know, started with the work that you know, Dungeon Family was putting in. Because when you like how we were saying, you, you think with, with the offshoots, right? Yeah. You got, uh, it's funny because Young Thug was saying like, he don't think he'll ever be able to do a track with, with 3000 or whatever, but it's like, to me, he's an offshoot from the Dungeon Family. Um, hell, T.I. technically, just based on how he even came into the game. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, so, and so one of the cool things that I respect about the Dungeon Family or that I admire about him actually, and that you kind of see, like, you know, ASAP Mob and Our Future Take yep. After is that it's really, and like, even Maybach, when they were trying to be like a boutique label for real, mm-hmm. it was just like signing everybody. Like, what that, like, that came from Dungeon Family being able to have like a distinct but versatile style yeah. sound, like, associated with all of their different acts and stuff. Even what CeeLo Green did alone, like, once he broke off from Goody Mob. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Future. We it's it's ton of future came into the game and like once he happened, it just was like future was future like they You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. he came up and took over the family business and yeah, man. Kept the relationships right with everybody that they had. You it know, was just so weird. It was so weird knowing that like future he dungeon family descended, and then you hear the story is like, oh, okay. Bro, I slept on future until I realized till I was reading the credits for uh for uh Magna Carta Holy Grail because you know he's on the writer, he's he's on, on the run too. 
it was I was today years old. Yeah, like, <laughs> when I, when I was like that, this nigga fooling. But didn't he have? Didn't he um also had like writing credits on Drunken Love? I mean, he might have. I'm not like you know I've. I that, feel like that, it was a reference. Like four years old now, right? And like a, yeah. a whole bunch of shit happened. My the thing I was most impressed with on Beyonce, or the thing I was most like excited to rep was the Key Wayne placement when he did partition. Yeah, yeah, man. I cared about and uh, and uh, Vincent Berry and uh, his homeboy right in Sandcastle. Uh, Beyonce yeah. always showed Detroit love, like on the like, low, the lowest. Yeah, like, on every album, we got some representation. Dog, I never knew that he had credits on that joint, dog. That's crazy. So now we mentioned certain songs, right? So what six songs, any genre, mm-hmm. you, you just was saying you was on title, they gave you a playlist or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so what are six flawless songs that you would build a playlist out of if these were the only songs that you got to play for the next six months? All right. Damage by her definitely goes up there. Still knocking. <laughs> that song is fired. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't. So, but I figured out what it is. Right, they they slid a fucking computer love interpolation. You sent me that. I was like, what is he talking about? And I had to go back and listen. Like, oh yeah, like, I had to listen to the song like a hundred times. I'm like, why does shit feel so groovy? But yeah, but like I think that's part of the reason. Uh, so it's definitely that one. Uh, let's see, six of them. Let's see. Oh, I really fuck with uh, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac right now. Okay, that's two. You, you know what that is? I haven't heard it. So when y'all say these, I'll be having to go back when I do the edit. I'm like, okay, I it's a white ass song, right? And okay. so it's not so much white as like the group was mostly white, but it was like still kind of diverse. Yeah. And you know who Stevie Nicks is? I've heard that name. So Stevie Nicks is like this lady who's a singer-songwriter. She's supposed to be a witch or whatever. Like, that's the thing that pop culture <laughs> really be obsessed with. But like she, so like the story about, and I'm going to tell you, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name these other four songs, but it's so crazy because I was talking to my dad about it. Uh-huh. Like I'm naming songs that I listen to like ad nauseum, like at length, just yeah. afterwards, time after time after time after time after time, right? And so, uh Dreams by Fleetwood Mac is one of them songs, and I was looking it up. Like, I was like, "This sounds like some shit my dad would listen to." Like uh-huh. after my thousandth time listening to it, and I just texted one day because I had looked up some information on it, and it came out in like 1977. And that was the year Damn. my dad graduated. And I was like, "Dog, I know this was your shit." Like, <laughs> <in high school. laughs> he was like, "He was like, man, I listen to that song every day that summer." And then he was like, and "Then when you was born, I listened to it like every day." <laughs> Just he told me some other stuff that were like really resonated on a personal level that made sense yeah. about like why wow, I oh I like that song so much. But yeah, yeah Fleetwood Mac and Dreams is that's too and that's and two. off, off we well, not off subject, but sort of off, that's funny as you said that you heard this on you looked at the year it came out, you hit your dad up about it the other day. I was playing um uh Children of the Night by the stylistics, right? Mm-hmm. And um the song's so cold, I just come on so cold. Um but the funny thing is they one of their most popular songs was people make the world go round. But my dad was known for like in children of the night, the most, my dad mm-hmm. always switched phones up. You always get a different number every time or whatever. Right. Like every like three months or so he gets another phone number. So I'm mm-hmm. listening to children of the night. I get a text like within an hour of me listening to that song, like, Hey son, just checking on you and the family, whatever. You see how you do. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, right. So like just being energetically connected <laughs> through like the different vibration that, you know, that uh, another family, my family member by yeah. encounter or resonated with. Right. That's yeah. crazy. I and started so, to screenshot and send it to him. Like I'm listening to this right now. Like that's crazy. Right? But it's, so like I feel you on that because that shit that shit is kind of spooky, man. Dog. Like, it, it, was, it was scary because it can't comforting in a way too though. Like just knowing that you could be connected to people like that. Yeah, I'm like this your shit. Like how you just <laughs> you know I was listening. I'm like what the hell? Mm-hmm. All right, so, then, so you said you said the, the Stevie Nicks, uh, Fleetwood Mac is the group. Okay, she wrote the song. Though. Got it. Oh, got and, it. and so like fun fact, right? She wrote it in the same room that Sly and the Family Stone were writing recording. Uh-huh. And she was like, she said that was like kind of significant to the vibe. And it's one of those crazy things, right? You know how white people make it's music a family affair. Like sometimes I had to think of the songs. I was thinking singing in my head when you said sliding the family. So I'm like, oh duh, family affair. <laughs> right. And so but like, but 
these niggas was on like sort of the type of shit that I'm on. It's like, you Word. know, black family, black spirituality type shit. And so like I think Stevie Nicks, like weird white people always got got kind of like a soulful element. Some type of connection, you know? yeah. But like, it was like he tapped into whatever was in that room. And yeah, so like, that's one of the things, one of the pieces of trivia that stick with me. So that's two. But third song, right? Okay. Uh, my fucking uh, it would have to be sometimes Bob Bilal. Come on, man, man, that song's so real, dog. That song is real as fuck, and it's a song that was constructed by him asking his friends to just complete the phrase sometimes I mm. and then he compiled and he built off of that yes dog that's crazy all the lyrics is from somebody else so I wonder what and friend then... <laughs> the friend sometimes I wish I didn't have home training <laughs> like yeah yeah and, I, and so and like and I, and so I think one of the reasons that it like really punch and resonate like it do is because it, it's it's really like a universal reflection. Yeah, man. That's that's my favorite song off the album. Like definitely. The the song our first that and when will you call? I think when will you call is my favorite song, but that wouldn't make the playlist for my my favorite playlist. Sometimes it's fire. It's it's crazy that it's on an album that that we debate that's that's not better than voodoo, but whatever, you know, whatever y'all y'all can have that. One second is better than voodoo, and it's okay if you say it. It's okay if you say it. It's like not, man. it's not. It's, it's crazy, and it's crazy because like, I, I I literally have to take the L on social media when I put it out there every like year. Like y'all, listen, which album is better, Firstborn Second? But, but every every year, more people say that it's Firstborn. Like second. Firstborn Second, I'm like, y'all, I just was listening to Quest Love Supreme. They had somebody on there, a lady from New Orleans. I forget the name of her band, but she's on there. She was saying like that was the first album that she bought. They went crazy, like oh. Now I know Quest Love, you probably got a, a voodoo bias clearly because they he's one of the people that helped worked on that album for like I mean, you know, both of them is his babies in a in a way. Technically, you know what I mean? Did, like, did they both record out that same studio? Well, and I mean, like just not even in the same studio. I mean, maybe in the same studio, but mostly, you know, just you know, with the same people or with people who were Man. it's like if Future was recording up the hall from Outcast. Basically, that's a podcast in itself think, about why think, Voodoo is a better album than Firstborn Second. Uh, like, <laughs> I mean, I think, but also Mama's Gun kind of shits on both of them, right? And then so that's like a whole mm. another element to the conversation. It's mm. like, I, well, nah, that's funny. I saw all something. of this was going on at the same time. I but, saw that floating around online. People put that album up against Voodoo, and people's like, "Come on, don't do this, man. That's not fair, dog." I mean, like, yeah, they, those were the two albums that came out. So, like, the it reminded me of a similar Rock Nation or a Rockefeller instance where everybody was just they I'm just ran honest. a whole year and they I'm ain't let honest. up. You know what it was with Voodoo, with the way D'Angelo sings. I didn't know like a lot of the lyrics that he was saying. So it was a challenge to like, I literally had, my mom bought me that CD. So it was a challenge for me. Well, she didn't really buy me the CD. This was around the time with Columbia House, you could get the CDs as well. So, you know, I got it that way, but it was a challenge to rip, you know, read those lyrics. Like, oh, this is what he's saying? Like, yo, this is real. This is real shit. So mm-hmm. that, that set with me. I think during that time, I probably, I don't know, I probably went through it because I got it late. I heard the album early when it, when it came out because of people in my family, you know, I had family members that bought it, but I per se got it late for myself. I think probably that time I was probably going through a breakup or something. So it hit a little different, but yeah, just going through a, I guess he was a freshman by then. No, I got I was in seventh, eighth grade. No, nah, I bought voodoo during it was like right after my senior year. So that's how late I was. You was you was super duper late. Yeah, that album dropped 2000, you know what I'm saying? But I heard it then because from people who had it, I had songs off of it, probably borrowed the tape. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But literally when I was like, you know, I'm going to get this album for me. During that time, I probably was going through a breakup. So really, you hearing mm-hmm. it different then, and it's like, you know, this is the realest album ever, bro. You know? so- <laughs> Speaking of the realest album ever, because this was one of the contenders when you was asking about classic albums. I thought uh-huh. I was going to say The Love for Love. But <sighs> something that definitely makes the six-track playlist, right, uh-huh. is Life in the Day of Benjamin Andre. You're going to keep switching the playlist around this thing <laughs> We gonna I, I, this this the this the fourth song. <laughs> it's gonna be another guess. <laughs> no, that is song number four. Damn, we went we went off a tangent like that off the. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Three. Damn, so like we got 
Because what's the first one? Um, you said the joint by Fleetwood Mac. Her, her Fleetwood Mac. Mac. Um, sometimes. Sometimes. And then, damn, you're right. <laughs> and then what, what did I just say? Um, uh, the something the joint of Love Below of Andre Bench. See, I don't know a lot. Life of in the day. By name. Life in the day. Yeah. It's just bars. It's like it's like a hundred bars. Okay. No, no hook. Yeah. And then he don't even finish the story. The the track ends with, and then I was gone. Like he's talking to the engineer in the session. My about shit how the song should end. My shit on there is the end of the song. Like that is a fire song because I know it's now I know what you're talking about. My shit off there is she lives in my lap. That shit, man. Forever, my fiance. Yeah, man. That shit is hard, dog. So that's four. We really did go off on a 10. I thought you had drop six. Uh, <laughs> so then let's see what's the fifth one, right? I really gotta show some love. Let's see. Love drought. Beyonce. Well, um, you know, I ain't too familiar with like, I know you so like I so love drought is this song. She it's really like it's like you ever like be in an argument with your girl. Mm-hmm. And like you trying to like come down from being dramatic, or she coming down yeah. from being dramatic. <laughs> Somebody gotta hop down first. It's, it's like that. It's like one of them songs where it's like uh, you know I'm gonna talk myself down so that we can have a civil conversation about this. Yeah, and so that would go on there. And it's one of them songs where she like. So my favorite style of vocal is the style of vocal where you sound like you washing the dishes. And you singing for yourself, uh-huh. and like no, oh, I do that singing. all the time. Exactly <laughs> right, and so you probably sound amazing when you do. It. To me, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. And so like it's that type of vocal, and it's something about when uh, it's something about when you catch singers singing, but they not like performing, right? Because that that's when they really it's kind of like lax, and it's like you know, yeah. it's in a vibe or whatever. That makes sense. And so, but it's also really like skill, like yeah. that they playing, but they know what they doing. Like, yeah, so like, that's, you cold for real on the low, like exactly. <laughs> it's a, that's the vocal style that she put on that song. I'm gonna have to check it out. I bet I heard. I feel like I probably heard it before. You know, if I mean? you watch Lemonade, it's the one where they like walking into the water. But, oh, okay. So it's on that. See, you know what it was. Yeah. With, with, what was on Lemonade? Lemonade. I think I got. Don't get me wrong. Lemonade got some joints on it. Hmm. That one I probably just like. Yeah, you know. But I now I gotta go. It's been years, so I gotta go back and listen to it. But you know my shit off Lemonade, dog. It's freedom. So that yeah. shit, man. That's that's one of my. You know my list of Beyonce songs is different from her fans. You know what I mean? Because I throw joints out there and they be like, "What?" Like they go like, "No, nah, nobody likes." <laughs> but you know, you know what? what? That's a whole other <laughs> Somebody was like banging on Freedom on Twitter the other day. Nah, Freedom is cold. Like, like that's her best song. Like and it's it really is up there. But it's up uh, there. But let's see, what would number six be, right? So I mm. think, damn. So I ain't got no upbeat shit, but fuck it. Like, <laughs> I think that the sixth song would be, it's this song called Bad Girl by Solange off the True EP, right? And you said true, I ain't, I'm gonna be honest. Nobody knows about Solange before I see that. Yeah. It's messed up. I do because I remember the Tony record. I remember the Tony record. I do. Hey, nigga, that 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 whole fucking album. That's an album that people were saying like, nigga, that was it. Angel and the Halle. Yeah, yeah, the colorful joint. I remember that. And it sounded real colorful too. Yeah, man. uh, Tony joint was cold. Tony joint was cold, but Bad Girl is from off the True EP and. It's that song that had it's the it's that project that had losing you where she was like dancing with the Nigerians and shit all in the video. But uh, I really gotta go back and but, <laughs> visit. But Bad girl is about having this drunk ass night and like really coming to terms with yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, I can't really, you know, just keep living life reckless and by the seat of my pants. <laughs> so it's one of those songs that uh that really resonated with me at a time in life where I was trying to figure out how to not do that. Man, see these songs, I like when people come up with songs where I be like, dang, I gotta go check that out. And then just the songs that where I be like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, I agree, I heard that. So now I be thinking like, damn, it, when, when when people come up with songs that I ain't never heard, I be feeling like just completely like left out, like <laughs> I, I ain't heard that shit, I gotta go check it out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh shit. Oh, that, that that one is definitely and then a and then each, each episode that I have with somebody throwing out their songs in my head, I'd be thinking like, 
this is what I will have on mine. And now that I think about it, this is what I was, because now that you saying yours, in my mind, I immediately thought one that I, that I never thought to have on my list before. But when I hear the song, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, right. um, you you know, Girlfriends on Netflix, everybody bends the shit, right? <laughs> so do you remember, you remember the episode Tony Got Married, right? Sort of. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. I remember. OK, that. do you remember the song that they were playing like when she got married? And they were celebrating and shit. Hell no. Nah. Nope. Damn, dog. Shit. But they sort was playing a night to remember by Charlemagne. Why were they, they playing were that? Right. I don't know. I guess I, it wasn't even a reception, but there was there was definitely it was the ceremony scene. Might have been a reception. I don't know, because it was kind of like getting dark or whatever. Everybody, people that saw the episode know what I'm talking about. It was Charlemagne, uh, mm-hmm. a night to remember. And then I was like, that's a flawless song. I will add to my play- playlist. And I know because I literally played that song like after that episode, I went and played that song like five times, dog, back to back. Cause that song is so crazy. Shalomar got some cold shit. They got the, uh, the I like it joint. The, mm, and I like, dog, them niggas is cold, man. Like, so. So it's like, it made me go back. I was like, nah, that song right there, something about the drums, like just, it's just one of them type of songs, dog. Oh man, I have a completely different list if it was like anything like pre-1990. Man, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to develop. The, that's why I be like six songs that you got to write off for the next six months, but it make it difficult. Like six, like shit, what can I- And if you ever heard, uh, you ever heard, uh, Here We Go Again? Portrait. No, oh, whoa, whoa, you went back. You, I thought you were about to say portrait from the 90s. Like, here we oh, go. Nigga, here we go again by the Isley Brothers. Nope. See, nah, yeah. damn, dog, stop doing this, man. Cause now I got, I feel like I got to go back and be like, shit. Yeah, that shit go in. That's that shit about like breaking up and making up with your bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to start breaking the segment down now because of this to be like, all right, six songs from the 80s that you're going to rock with, six songs from the 90s that you're going to nigga, dog. That's an episode in itself. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh, Man. shit. Podcast I mean, development so, in the middle of an episode. <laughs> that's, that's why I was like, you know, trying to like really answer the, like the collective question directly. Yeah. Because like, if I was being liberal with it, I would say new edition. Going along, it's like, hey, connecting like old R&B generations. To, like, I just, I just put that in the Facebook group. Groups and shit. I just do that in the Facebook group. I say that the niggas really want to raise the stakes. Find a proper match for New Edition. You can't. You really can't. You can't. It Maybe guy. Like, <laughs> you, you probably get guy below. From what I understand, them niggas was like guy is an offshoot. Guy in its own way is an offshoot of. A uh, new edition, just yeah. because like, they admired them niggas. Eddie Riley from you know Baltimore, any? Mm. Or like even if he's not from Baltimore, he had association with the group Harlem, and then um, a new edition. They Boston, remember they Boston? So, yeah, I always get Baltimore and Boston confused. I'm not. He, uh, you know, they they admired them niggas though, but you can't. Bottom line, you can't find a proper matchup for a new edition because whoever you put against them niggas are like offshoots of them. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You can't. So that's gonna be tough, though. You you could probably take niggas from the group and put them against each other, but you can't like find a proper. You can't. I don't even see how that shit would be possible. So now my question to you, since we on the music business, and this is a perfect question for you because you always say like I'm not of the industry or whatever, and, <laughs> and certain things the industry need to do to be more catering to the artists. So what would your music, what would your contribution be to the music business to help it improve? Just gut that shit. Like everything's wrong. That's a fire like, answer, dog. It's like having mold in your wall. Mm-hmm. And like you got just got everything else redone except for that. It's like buying a hood house. Like, yeah. just- I mean, no, no, no. Don't say that because, like, you know, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You know that's, that's like that's like, other because you know what you know my, my day folks job, in real like, estate. I work with. <laughs> <laughs> my day job, I work with real estate. So like you can't wait. My bad, yo. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that uh, I think that overall the music industry is just super convoluted as far as its processes. Like you sell everything else but the music, mm-hmm. and it's to the point mm-hmm. where music is like the the promo or the merchandise. Was it always like of, that though? It wasn't always like that. The music was like the the anchor the, the product prime thing, and so like the things that that you built around that were to 
to enhance the musical experience but now music is really treated just like it's a score to whatever you know whatever your turn up is yeah, man. or whatever your experience is and it's like you know we, we, re- shit. we really took the idea of living life like we on tv way too far mm-hmm. and so i think that the music industry has a lot to do with how that was driven and it can have a lot to do with you know how we pivot from that if the artist i'm gonna say i'm gonna tell you some shit that's crazy you just said we really took this whole thing with like being like we on tv way too far it's crazy because by you saying that i literally remember an old episode of the label podcast where igtv first hit and you literally said the same exact thing like Man, it's it's almost like they trying to <laughs> they trying to make this thing where everybody got their yeah. own TV show. It's like you know, if you make if you make celebrity accessible, then they make life bearable. And so, like celebrity and social capital is like a new type of wealth, and it's because we're running out of money. And so, like that's mm. not even something that we got to talk about this episode. Yeah, that's a whole. You gotta mention like about three, four different like, things. That's a whole episode <laughs> in itself, dog. Like this, right? And so, like, and so, like, we are developing into a society that's really dependent on on social capital and when you think about it social capital ain't nothing but like credit right it's like credit is an example of social capital because you got people vetting saying vetting you saying that that you're good for it and you pay what you owe and that you're this type of person and so how social capital takes that a step beyond that is that it don't really have nothing to do with finances and everything to do with personal value Mm mm-hmm but we conflate personal value with financial standing. And so that's why we think that poor people is like, you know, morally deficient. Man. And that's something that's really driven through the media and through the music industry. And it puts the, and so the our, actual our art itself that. on the back burner. Exactly. It's fucked up, man. Now you, you got, and that, that's a perfect answer. You said, just gut it, just gut it. Just blow it up. Yeah. Do it, fucking do it all over, whatever. Um, you got this project, man. Now, I'm gonna tell you what I remember seeing the, and I'm pretty sure I was late to the party just on this this part alone. But there was an image that popped up online, and it was a bathtub, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was <laughs> you were there, <laughs> and you had you I was had, in the tub. Yeah, it was like it was it was like um yeah the, the what is I was taking a bath. Right? It was, it, yeah, and it was like he was pouring the the, the water. Uh, it was like one of the, the old the old ritual style uh, ways of taking a bath, right? Uh-huh. And I remember like, dog, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> and it just was like, <laughs> you might have texted me exactly that, like, dog, get off. I, I laugh, I did, you know, like, we joke. And I was like, dog, nigga, what is going on? Like, what's <laughs> what is this? I remember saying some shit like, you Tupac, like, no, like, <laughs> like, what is this? But um. But um, you you said in the caption though, all baths are ritual. Mm-hmm. Thus, here's a project of the same name. Was that the plan from the beginning, like with that image, or was it just like, what's the backstory behind this project, Doug? Absolutely not, right? So, okay. uh, just to like bring the listeners up to speed, I got engaged on August first, twenty twenty. Shout out, shout out, congrats! Thank you. And just like leading up to that, a couple of different things happened. Uh, starting in June, I took, or starting in May, I uh, started a Daniel fast to like Father's Day or summer solstice. Yeah. And then I decided that the best course of action for my future would be buying a camera so that I could invest in my work as a creative director and a photographer. Smart investment. Right. And then, uh, that led to me being like, you know, like I'm not a person who make big purchases, right? Mm-hmm. Like not uh, not in a way that's like disruptive to my lifestyle. So yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I bought that camera and I was like, whoa. And I was like, ooh, I should buy an engagement ring too. <laughs> I think I'm ready. Like that was, the, that was the signaler for me, right? Like being ready for something professionally made yeah. me realize that I was ready for something personally, even though I had always planned to, you know, to propose to my fiance. Yeah, I was in the cards. Yeah, I felt like that this was the right time. And it started with me buying that camera and, and like starting to consider like what the rest of my life lo- might look like professionally as far as how I would integrate it personally because right. I'm the type 
I'm the type of father and I'm the type of husband that's like super duper involved with the comings and goings of my household. And so yeah, I'm not really the nigga to be like at work 40, 60 hours a week and just throw my girl to check and be like, all right. I did. Yeah, absolutely not. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> and uh so I was like, all right, let's do this. And so I went and bought a ring and I started conceptualizing a uh, a proposal. But I also decided that it would be an art piece because, again, I was trying to establish myself as a creative director and make the pivot away from Humble Fly, which was my time being mm. a publicist and a brand manager to, uh, to you know, introducing San DeAngelis, whose main purpose is to is to be the creative vehicle and to invite collaborators. Yeah. And so I hadn't even really thought that far into it by the time I proposed, but the uh, I proposed on a Saturday, right? And so like it yeah. turned into this big thing. I did a I did a photo shoot called Return to Flora, where I got a neck piece tattooed. It's a big, you yeah. can't see it, but it's a big ass hibiscus. A giant, yeah, um, <laughs> just a giant ass hibiscus and some hibiscus <laughs> buds and some you know and the and the shrubbery that go with it. It's tattooed on my neck, so I call my girl Flora. And so I call it a flower. And so Flor Pecania is this was this the um this is the photo shoot with the giant do-rag or whatever you this is the photo shoot with the giant (laughs) do-rag. And so there's I clowned about that. (laughs) I mean, and so like and so like that's the thing, right? And so like I've been doing all of this stuff for a very strategic reason because like on a on a really super passive level, I'm kind of like being tongue-in-cheek about gender roles and what a man's place is in the household and the space that a man is allowed to take up when he feels good yeah. about himself. You know what I mean? Like I'm like most niggas will call themselves ugly in a minute and I'm just not that nigga, right? right. <laughs> it's slow. And, and, like, and like they'll wear it as a badge, but like nigga, I, 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 my boy had asked me something Black and about ugly me. as ever, however. Exactly, right? Yeah. And so I think that, uh, I think my main takeaway uh, from how I relate to masculinity and shit is really being man enough to embrace softer things and uh-huh. like not have my ego disrupted or like my standing as a man like i'm man enough to experience beauty it, and it, like, so- it sounds like just adulthood man like just exactly but but niggas don't be grown about it like that yeah so it takes somebody <laughs> really saying like you know hey like you could just chill especially like your household is is predominantly woman like it's you my household is always been predominantly say. woman i got seven sisters my dad yeah. married, so i got two mamas i got all daughters and so yeah. like i have a, a i have a really like interesting and intimate relationship with you know feminine energy from the aspect of it being you know non-sexual like 90 percent of the time yeah it's almost like it's it's, it's not a choice really it's like it, it'd be yeah, I mean, weird it, if you it's, ain't it's not a choice it's like it's, it's my everyday like yeah, I it's like it's there like you can't just be the only one just on some on some caveman shit you know what exactly. I'm everybody you got you got to respect and adapt you know what i'm saying at the same time right and so how that ties into the uh the proposal and all about our ritual you know i had like this big ass durag it's like 10 feet and it was like satin and man I had it draped over my kimono, which I was shirtless under, and just like I had on a pair of shorts, and I'm getting tatted on my neck, and I got my kids sitting on the train out of Durag, and I got my girl and my nine-month-old on the other side. It was a cold me. shoot, man. You know what I mean? And I felt really good about it. And I really, uh, I really like that people responded to that in a way where it was like, oh yeah, this feels really like manly and like macho in a sense, even though yeah. I'm like on some like some diasporic warrior type shit exactly but, but i really yeah. did it in a way to like be a little provocative and being like see you know, i knew it i knew it I, I, <laughs> yeah so i think that it i couldn't just be what we thought it was that, right like, yeah I feel like that's not the place that i was relating to <laughs> i was really relating to it from a place of being you know grounded enough in my softness to like relate to my daughters and to let this woman tattoo me and to you know like still hold space for my woman and our newborn baby like I was relating to them, you know, as you know, as from the divine masculine, first of all, but also, you know, from a place that, you know, honors the divine feminine. Yeah. But uh, but the following Monday, uh, she ran me a bath. And one thing that's new about me is 
I usually sync up like ritual baths or ritual processes to like moon phases. And so it just so happened that this was like either a full moon or a new moon or something. Reset. Yeah, that I wanted to engage in. I wanted to use to set intention for like, you know, the us starting, you know, this leg of life, which is engagement leading to marriage. Mm -hmm. And she ran this bath for me, knowing, not knowing that this is something that I wanted to do. But uh but just like out of the kindness of her heart and like, you know, move from the compassion of, you know, the events of the weekend and just our life together. And she ran me a bath with a sunflower and some oil, so lit some candles and some incense. Cause it's just something that we normally do for each other anyway. Right. Every now and then when we feel like we need an energy check or whatever. And so I was I wasn't so much moved by the experience as much as you I was. You on my like, nerves. You need a bath. Like <laughs> I mean, so yeah. Sometimes it's like that. Or sometimes it's like, oh, damn, you like you've been working a lot, and like, yeah, I, I need That's you real. present in the house, and I need you to be present with me and like and our energy. There we go. Like, go this, reset. This, this is the sacrifice I'm willing to make. I'll run you. I'll run you out some bath water. That's dope, man. You know what I mean? And, and it really shit. is though. But what's even doper is that from that, like, we, uh, because I was in the tub and I was having this experience, I was really moved by it because I was tired from that weekend yeah. of planning this surprise proposal that my girl was kind of resistant to because she didn't really know what was going on. And it's just in a woman's nature to expect to be, you know. Want to be in the loop. know. Got to know yeah. what's going on. All right, before we continue, this is for all the independent music artists across the board. That's from the songwriters, the producers. The publishers on down to the recording artists. I need y'all to tap in. This will be real quick. If you plan on continuing to pursue or start pursuing a career in music, if you haven't done so already, you definitely need to get familiar with the inner workings of the business handled outside of the creative process. A lack of knowledge on the administrative end, that can lead to you being lost out here in the oversaturated music industry. But you can avoid being lost by tapping into getting the necessary resources brought to you by the College of Hip Hop. They have artist ownership tools to help you navigate the music business. Now there's two artist ownership bundles. The artist ownership bundle one, it includes four video lessons to assist the artists in owning the rights to their musical works, along with a PDF to visit the website locations taught in the lessons that include basic copyrights, publishing and encoding. Now artist ownership bundle two, it includes three video lessons that assist the artists in owning the rights to their musical works along with the resource guide to visit the website locations taught in those lessons that include the articles of incorporation, ISRC encoding, and basic trademark. You can access both bundles by clicking on the links I've included in the description of this episode. Now let's continue with the show. So yeah, man, so just, it was just basically, you know, I asked her to grab the camera that I had just bought. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, take some pictures of me in the tub because I just felt like it was like a really like a, a really beautiful thing to capture, just whatever the energy was. Right. Like, like I couldn't really like experience it from a third person level. And so mm -hmm. I took pictures of this. And so she took the pictures and I thought they turned out really well. And uh, they really spoke to me. And I was really like, you know, like the whole intention of it was to be a ritual bath. And I don't right. think that she knew that, but you know, it was, she did it basically the way that I would have did it. So it's just how we already do. Damn, and so it, it made me, you know, think like all, bath, all baths are ritual. Like, even if, like, she did a dope title, though. Right? Because <laughs> she didn't, she didn't do that. She didn't run that bath for me with the intention of it being a ritual bath, but it was yeah. still able to serve that purpose. That's a dope title. I probably would have thought of something that was just obvious. All bars are ritual or something like that. <laughs> but it's, I wouldn't have went that deep into it. That shit fire, man. Well, that's the thing, right? So, like, one of the things that I really been enjoying about this project is that what I wasn't able to bring to uh, projects where I was a publicist or a brand manager mm -hmm. uh, was the like the really creative stuff that I like to do that builds the narrative and the story behind what you're doing. Yeah, and helps it, uh, you know, like build the message and it resonate with people. So that's why that's that's why I, I guess because I don't know if you played it in order. Well, I imagine you did when you did the listening session. That's why those. So okay, that makes mm -hmm. sense because I remember when I when I came in, you were saying like the first joint, you know, then it was a joint. It, you was a, it was a story behind each project from the artist. So yeah, and so like and so that was one of the cool things, right? Just like we had a listening party, you know, the day before Thanksgiving, or not a listening party, but we we got together, yeah, listen to you cool, know, the version of the project before we go into post production, 
And one of the things that we were able to connect on was like what everybody's song topic meant for them because yeah. I assigned everybody, you know, tracks and I assigned everybody content or like uh, <laughs> like yeah. topics to, to style their content around. And so we got to dialogue about that. But what was really impressive to me just today even was being able to recognize a, a, a progression of what it's like to go from, you know, a spiritual awakening to you know, operating as a spiritual yeah. being, you know what I mean? And so like you have an epiphany, but then you like, you have to take things past an epiphany or right. a realization in order to apply it to your life. But with that comes different challenges. Yeah. And so I think the project does a really good job of covering all of that in a way that I didn't really intend to because my whole, um, the thing that I stand by during this whole project is that it's, I've been intuiting it the whole time like I never sat down uh, and was like this project is gonna be about this. It's just about it just happened. Yeah. That's fire, man. Like just just the planning of it and just the fact that you it was like, okay, this because I don't I guess as an artist, I haven't done that in a while, like really mapped it out. Like this song is gonna be about this. This it's just almost like a vibe hit, and you be like, all right, this is what I'm gonna write about. But you literally it was like an assignment. And I was like, damn, like, I remember you saying, like, I got assignments for each. I'm like, assignments? Like, what is this nigga doing? But it was like, when I heard it, it made sense. I'm like, oh, okay. And what's so, like you said, so like, even that part of the process was super organic. Like, it wasn't like, all right, we about to sit down and like, these the topics. Had a whiteboard like, and shit. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I just really thought about all of my relationships to the artists and like different conversations we've had based on our personal relationship. And like things that I've shared yeah. with y'all or like stuff that I know that we've experienced together that I thought that y'all would articulate well yeah. on my behalf. Cause I remember you telling yeah. me, we gave me my assignment and it was like, okay, I'm like, man, how he know? I don't, what if I don't want, oh, no, you're right. It's, this yeah. is my bag. Like, all right, I'm gonna go. And, and that was the thing too, because like a, a lot of it was like me really having, to, cause I wanted to get into my A&R bag, right? So yeah. like my whole life was like, I want to be an artist and an A&R. And yeah. so ended up being an A&R or what's, you know, known as a creative director now. But, um, just like through that experience, being able to relate stuff to people in a way that they understand it, but like to the effect that they are able to put their own creative spin. Yeah. I'm inspired by it because like I told you all like, damn, when we did the session and you explained everything, I was like, damn, I'm inspired by it. Now I, I, I was telling you earlier, I was like, man, I'm sending beats to such and such or whatever. Cause now it's like, you know, I have beats and I'm like, well, this ain't for me. This don't, I just don't fit me, but I know so and so. So now I'm in that space where it's like, yeah, I can still create for me, but also at the same time have an idea for somebody else and not, mm -hmm. I can remove my ego and be like, yo, so and so might, this might work for them or this hook that I just thought of, maybe they, maybe they, this will fit them. So it's kind of like, like you say, that the AR bag or just that EP yeah. mindset. It, it's so funny, man, because I've been thinking a lot about like how I used to want to be a vocalist or whatever, uh -huh. but like just not really spending the time cultivating that gift in a way that's consistent with somebody you know who wants to do that for a living yeah but still being able to participate in those processes through people who yeah. i have relationship and are willing to speak on my behalf but also having to respect that those people are like still speaking for themselves at mm -hmm. the end of the day and so like not so much on my behalf but they're speaking to something that i can relate to exactly and so it's super ironic to me that my voice isn't on my first project we did the talking for you, man. Expected to, right? So, <laughs> but listen, hey, listen, you need some bars, man. Like, so, <laughs> you need some bars. So, and, and so there's, so there's some, there's some funny and some, some really interesting things that are coming down the pipeline, as far as how to like reconcile that in yeah. real time, like throughout this project. Because I think oh, that, shit. I think one of the things that, uh, that I haven't necessarily had the opportunity to truly express is that this is a multimedia project and yeah. so the ep is really just one phase of it and the photographs are meant to be you know their own narrative mm -hmm. around you know how i relate to the project and um like even the way that we'll set up the activations for the singles and stuff like that uh -huh. it's really meant to be experienced as a multifaceted art piece yeah, I and forgot. Like, like people just only saw the the images, and it was people, yeah, people only saw the images. Day. But people, but, but people are asking, like, well, you know, am I gonna be able to like buy these pictures? Like, oh, <laughs> so that makes me feel good as a photographer and as a creative director, and yeah. you know, 
being able to harness all of this talent into you know into one focused project yeah now really looking forward to doing it again now before we before we close because we got our fatherly duties to attend to but you you chose to not place it on the the uh the major streaming platforms. So where I'm not people... on any streaming platforms. <laughs> well, could, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's what I'm saying. The major, because uh, all of them, to me, they all in bed with the 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 major labels, right? Mm-hmm. So where will people be able to get this album? Project. I mean, so I mean, it's, I mean, it's an EP, but like where where you so like the 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 EP. All Baths Are Ritual is going to be released on December 21st, which is Winter Solstice. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm counting on everybody to be doing some heavy manifestation and co-creating with me on the success of this project on that day. And you can support that by visiting www.stdangelis.com and just completing the form that's, at the, that's pinned at the top of the page so you can reserve your digital copy. And... Uh, Follow me on Instagram. That's weird though. <laughs> you Saint Angelus name up a lot. S A I N T Saint. So Saint spelled out. I think that's important to say. S A I N T D E A N is in November. G E L U S. Yes, sir. And I was gonna say. Oh, uh, were you saying why I'm not doing it? Yeah, it was the reason. Oh yeah, I ain't doing that shit because fuck that shit, bro. Like <laughs> that's that's literally. Basically. The reason, because like, there's no reason for me to be banking on my my record being a hit at radio. Like, I wouldn't do that if I was actually serving it to radio. Yeah. And like, that's basically what streaming platforms are. Pretty they much. pay you a tenth of a penny or as close to a penny as they can get, which still ain't shit because it costs you more to make that. That's what trips um, me out. Like, people be like, <laughs> man, I just stream it over here on, and it, it's no diss to like title or no diss to Apple Music. Hell, I got Apple Music. Uh, shout out to Kirby. For allowing me to <laughs> be and so like that. I get it right because like the whole premise is that you know volume like if they pay if they if they comp if they compensated you fairly at the volume that they produce and they wouldn't really make no money. So but you get what I'm saying. It's almost like but then know, that mean that you shouldn't be in business. That mean that you should find another business oh, to be. In, right? Y'all should stream it over but, here on title because they pay more. It's like dog, all them niggas pay like a tenth of a penny if that. You know what I'm saying? Like it ain't I don't pay is nine tenths of a penny. All that shit. So like, whack, you know, dog. that's that's eight more tenths, <laughs> but it's still not a penny. Yeah, it's like it's still whack. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just almost like the shit with Dave Chappelle was saying, where mm-hmm. it was like, yo, we should you should do another show. Like, go here was like, why? Uh, what did he say about like? So basically, go to another plantation, pretty much, because this master gonna treat you just a little bit better than the last slave master. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. Like, and so like, I don't really like get into all of that like slave and master shit, but like, I know for me that like even how I operate in in my life right now, like my time is worth substantially more than what society says it yeah. is. And so I move like that. And so I feel like if I'm gonna, if I have friends who are willing to invest with me in a project and um, and like really put their all into it, then I have a responsibility to make sure that it performs at a level, you know, beyond mm-hmm. all of my expectations. So drop the windows we came so, together. so people could be familiar because I'm, I'm going to put this in the description of the show. Mm-hmm. Say that again? Drop the website again because I'm, I'm going to put yeah. it in the description of the show. The bit. website is saintdeangelis.com. I'm giving away 500 free, free copies mm-hmm. of All Baths Are Ritual, which is executive produced by JR Got The Hits. Shout and out. Features, name Tag Alexander, Book Brown, Shout out. Bryce Detroit. And Brent Blacksmith. Yes, sir. I mean, on December 21st, and it's only available at www.saintdeangelis.com. Yes, sir. Well, there it is. Y'all have tuned in to another episode of A Name Tag is Necessary. Look out for my EP that's coming out right after all Ow. that's a ritual called All Showers Are Necessary. Let's oh, shit. Know about that. No, I'm, I'm bullshit. Shout out to the, <laughs> shout out to the collective, right? Because so. Tab, you about to get like a super secret job, but like was that most of the people in the group are most of the people on the project are in a collective called Toussaint AVE, which yes. stands for audio, visual, and experiential. That's a dope name. That's yeah. a dope name. Toussaint, oh, yeah, I mean, Toussaint AVE. Oh, yeah. was it audio visual experience? I like that. Uh, that's fire. Experiential. Yeah. That is fire. 
That's fine. And there it is. Another episode of a name tag is necessary. Remember, the website is nametagalexander.com. But most importantly, visit his website, www.saintdeangelis.com. Make sure you fill out the form because it is a reserve for two because he's giving all you said 500 free copies of the project. So there it is. All baths are ritual. We out. We got fatherly duties to attend to. So we'll see y'all when we see y'all. Peace.